my god, we're back again. Another movie re review, and we'll the end. Third movie review of the day. And uh, I, uh, I got a special one for you, folks. And it's special for not maybe the reason you one would expect. You say, why is this one special? And I know I say, oh, this is going to be good, or so-and-so. Like, check this out. It's going to be awesome. Great. And I'm, I'm typically almost always lying uh, because they're really, you know, uh, nothing new or nothing special that I'm doing. But this is a weird one today, folks. I'll tell you why, because I'm reviewing uh, two films that have nothing to do with one another. They couldn't have anything less to do with one another. Um, and I'm, why am I reviewing them together, then, you said? Well, I'm lazy. So the thing of note here is just I my pure laziness. I am reviewing today. We're going to do this one first. We're going to do a 20, 2011 documentary called Stanley Kubrick, A Life in Pictures. We're going to follow that up with a, I think this was, let me just get the year, year right on here. No, not Project Nimbus. Project Nimbus. 2011 uh, film called Project Nim. Project Nim. Project Nim. Okay, we're going to start with the, uh, the Kubrick one first. Uh, I will say this about this film, which I'm going to give a poor-ish type of review. Now, it's not horrible, and if you're a Kubrick head like me, it's interesting to see, you know, there are some interesting notes here. And I one, one sticks out at me, and I hope I'll, I'll get to that soon without forgetting to do so. Uh, but... This film is impossible to make. And, I, and so, so, so I think it's... Well, I think it's bad for in a lot of ways because it's it's trying to do too much. It's it's an impossible task because take for example the room uh, the movie Room Two Thirty Seven, which is a documentary about uh, The Shining, which in it and it's about like the conspiracy theories and kind of wacky stuff that people believe The Shining is, is truly about. Uh, that's a great movie, and it's not not necessarily unflawed. It's not without its flaws. It certainly has flaws. But it's you can make a whole movie about a Kubrick movie. You can make a three-hour movie about one Kubrick movie. You could make probably a two-part film about a single Kubrick movie. There's just a lot to go through. And while I appreciate the the level of uh, uh, the vast number of people they got to interview and and, and contribute to this, uh, it's it definitely strikes you as. Just this, uh, and part of my language, and if there's any children in the room, you know, um, it, uh, you know, please cover their ears. But it's, this is this is a jerk off sesh. It's essentially it's a, uh, but one thing a lot of people and like just the, the heaping praise. It doesn't really dissect uh, the comp the the complicated man that he probably was. You know, I think you know you can make a movie about Kubrick that could. You know, he was very private, so that's part of the part of the reason here. I think that it's it's difficult to do this, but you could make a movie, a documentary, and not even talk about his movies because I think there's a lot of people want to know or or you know uh, uh, would like to know about the life and times of Stanley Kubrick outside of his. And this and this is this is an interesting title for this movie, a life in pictures. It really is just about his in and out of the movies he made, the features he made. Um, 
and it's consists of uh it's it's long too it's 142 minutes so it's 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 it is a long film um you know almost two and a half hours long and Tom Cruise uh, works as a narrator, but it's almost like it, they had him narrate parts of it, but then he he comes and goes uh, in long stretches without him his narration kind of gluing it together. So it's it's a it's a bit haphazardly thrown together. And again, here's here's an example of why it's good. Malcolm McDowell tells a story about how on the set of uh, Clockwork Orange, you know, he was. Um, uh, getting paid to to do some I think preliminary work uh, for the show, but then Kubrick would get, you know, would need a break and or or, or he would you know get antsy or something and they're and they're rehearsing rehearsing, and so he'd be like, would you like to play ping pong? And then so they played a lot of ping pong, and then I guess he got uh, a check for his work for doing the rehearsals. Malcolm McDowell said, and, and he came to them and he said, well, why is it only I was there for two weeks? Why is this only? Uh, one week, and, and he said, well, and this is Kubrick said, well, half the time you were playing ping pong. So he like had these psychological, those stories I think are really neat because it kind of shows he was kind of like a, a, a legendary asshole in a, lot of, in a lot of ways. I'm not saying he was an asshole in life, but I think in work, like the Shelley, uh, Shelley Duvall, is it? I'm sorry if the, I always get the um, name of the actress who plays um, Jack Nicholson's wife in uh the Shining. I always get her name wrong. What? Oh my God! What's her name? Oh my God! Where is this? I can't get the fucking movie. Here. Holy moly! Err. Yes, here we are. Okay, The Shining. Shelley Duvall. Oh my God! I had, I had it right the whole time. Wendy Torrance from The Shining. Uh, a great film. And again, I talked about this a little earlier. I was I wasn't even gonna give this movie a review because I was just like, whatever. It's just it's just movie that exists. I, I don't even know where I. I think it's on YouTube. You can watch it on YouTube. I think that's where I got it. Um, it's just a it's just like a it's a it's a very non-essential movie, which is funny because he's such an essential filmmaker. So that that this documentary and sort of the only one like there's other ones. That I haven't seen, but this is the only one that tries to be like the retrospective, you know, uh, documentary that's like a long and, and get, gets contribution from Steven Spielberg and Woody Allen and Martin Scorsese and Sidney Pollack and blah, 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 blah. But it's just such a grab bag of, of, of these characters and these uh, these famous people that it's, and they're all just, for the most part, so uh, laudatory that the film is is feels flat and and you know it's it's in i'm not saying i wasn't engaged in the movie because it's hard not to be engaged when when you're just seeing the film work you know he uses a lot of the clips from the films and so you're just you know you feel like uh i like watching movies about movies documentaries about movies because i like hearing people's thoughts about certain scenes and certain techniques that's really interesting to me uh i but i don't know if just granting, you know, it was almost like they had a, they were on a clock when they had to talk about X, Y, and Z about this movie, and then they're like, "Oh, we got, we got we, this movie will be seven hours long if we don't um, wrap it up here." And that's what I'm saying is that I think now, given the, uh, and maybe this is in the works, and then so someone certainly should. But you have all these docudramas. I just reviewed the Wormwood show on on uh, on HBO. You could do it one that's twice as long, like that, like the great, the stupid Grateful Dead uh, thing that was on Amazon which somehow felt 
like that didn't even touch enough and it was almost like too long but it was like not long enough it was so you can always go too long when because when you have people who are big fans of somebody like kubrick you can there's really you can't give you too little i think so you know i think in just assessing the film you know you have to you have to take that in, into consideration the guy who wrote, who directed this film I'm just reading about him now uh so his role really in his work life was uh, was a was closely I didn't realize this um but he started off working he started out as a researcher for Kubrick um on Napoleon which is the film he never made um and he worked as an executive producer on a lot of the films Barry, from Barry Lyndon onward Interesting, because he hasn't. I doesn't. Um, he's a bro. Oh, he's the brother of Christian Kubrick. Interesting. So he's bro. He's Stanley Kubrick's brother-in-law. Which oh, wow, this is. Uh, I didn't know this. I should have probably uh, looked this up before him because that does change things. That it's, it's even because the whole narrative of, of Kubrick's life is so closely like guarded, weirdly guarded and and that's this is adds to that and this movie does feel guarded it feels like it wants to criticize him a little bit but it's like just a little bit and the movies are are almost above or beyond criticism at this point you know in a way but certainly the story of him is is not and that's that's something that i feel like i feel like there's a eight hour broken into however you want to break it up you could go make it up make it about the feature film starting with whatever lolita or even before then you could do one like the early ones and you could do lolita onward and or passive glory even onward and um that that would be really cool uh and i would be shocked if that wouldn't happen so with that said i where do how do i grade this movie i don't know the whatever grade i give here is sort of like i feel like i'm just throwing darts because I gave oh I gave the Brian Eno documentary 1971 to 1977 the man who fell to earth I gave that a 5.912 and that movie was not great I feel like I have to go a little higher with this one probably better than that you know I'm gonna slot it in here 6.2 6.247 is the score for Stanley Kubrick a life in pictures. A, a a worthwhile watch if you're a Kubrick head, just again to get you back into the those films and maybe maybe you pick up a story here or an anecdote here or or something about one of the films you might have missed there. But again, we're waiting for the the there 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 there's a genius uh, uh, documentary series. I think would be the best way to, to do it on on Stanley Kubrick's life in pictures and outside of them. Hmm. All right, we're going to transition right into the next review here. I'm not going to, I didn't even think to pull clips again because I'm just feeling lazy and I'm just feeling like I want to get this done so I have a clean slate for the rest of my afternoon, week, month, year. Oh, I just remind me of the Friends theme. Um, but again, Project, okay, again, for the first time, let's talk about Project Nim. Directed by James Marsh, 2011. Um, 2011 feature film that was on HBO for a while, 
what did, what did I get? I, well, I had this downloaded, I think, somewhere along the lines. The BBC production. I think HBO had something to do with it. It was on HBO for a while. Um, and it was nominated for a British Academy Film Award, not a not an Academy Award. Uh, the proper, the real ones, the American ones, was not one of them. It was based on the book Nim Chimsky, The Chimp Who Would Be Human by Elizabeth Hess. And it's your standard documentary for 98% on Rotten Tomatoes. This is a good film and uh, interesting. Very interesting film. Um, it's it's a, uh, just of the plot, just to give you a quick plot about this project Nim. Uh, Nim Chimsky. He was a chimp from a born and I think believe in Oklahoma, Oklahoma chimpanzee reserve. And he was immediately uh, removed from the mother at birth to then be taken to Manhattan. Um, and, and here's the, um, here's a bit of a synopsis. Uh, okay, ready? I'm just going to read this off of the Wikipedia page. Just bear with me. Since 98.7% of the DNA in humans and chimps is identical, some scientists, but not Noam Chomsky, not Noam Chomsky, the actual Noam, Noam Chomsky, believe that a chimp raised in human family and using ASL, American Sign Language, would shed light on the way language is acquired and used by humans. Project NIM, headed by behavioral psychologist Herbert Terrace at Columbia University, was conceived in the early 70s as a challenge to Chomsky's thesis that only humans have language. All right, and so um, there was this guy. I guess he's a he's a central figure, and, and they they were uh, why this works as well as it does, and it is just a standard Talking Heads documentary mixed with archival footage, which there are, which is I was so shocked. There's a lot of uh, for being the early seventies, a lot of archival footage, and um, they all the central players for the most part um, are still alive, and they were interviewed for this film. And I should note that it was directed by James Marsh, who I mentioned a second ago. And he is um, most famously, uh, he's most famous known for the director of the Man on Wire movie, which came out in 2008. So I didn't, I didn't realize it until just now, but he did Man on Wire, that very acclaimed uh, documentary that won the best uh, Academy Award for Best Features. This one came out after that. Um, and two... Surprisingly, uh, you know, I, I don't know, it, it was on my radar, then it wasn't, then it was, and I just, I watched it recently because I was just struggling, like, what do I, I want to watch the next? It's that daily struggle. Don't we all go through it? I should just pick up, like, a classic book or, like, a great book and just be like, I'm going to just don't unplug from the, from the screens of the world and consume some literature for your brain. But not me. I, I, I path, I, 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 I path. I forge a different path, which is the path that is not different at all, because it's what everyone else does. But I'm doing it, in a, but not everyone has a podcast with over 400 episodes. That's what separates me from the common man. Don't want to get too up my own bootay, but that is the truth. Um, anyway, here's, um, ooh, he has a movie called Wisconsin Death Trip. What the fuck is this? The black and white docudrama, another doc, the word docudrama, uh, DJ Shadow did the music, and John Cale did the closing credits on piano. What is this about? 
dramatizes the photographs of Charles Van Schaik found in the early 70s. Connected to a series of macabre incidents that took place in Black River Falls, Wisconsin. And the film was shot in part in location there. March uses the silent black, silent black and white recreations with voiceover narration by Ian Holm, contrasted with contemporary color footage of the area. The film's visual style was intended to carry the content of the film. As March said, I want to convey the film in the, the I wanted to convey in the film the real pathos contained in a four-line newspaper report that simultaneously records and dismisses the end of someone's life. Wow, I, I still don't really know what this movie's about. But uh, it's got a cool name, Wisconsin Death Trip. That's his James March's first film. And having only seen Man on Wire and Project Nim, I can say that uh, he's a he's a good filmmaker. He's a good documentary filmmaker, and you know he's it's it's a very uh, and Man on Wire was too. Man on Wire was a very straightforward standard doc. I mean, it was not. Reinventing the wheel, um, and that's not a, that's not a. I, I never I never think documentaries have to do that. Like I think documentaries. I always I have them in red. If you go to movies.myamera.ca, my website, you can look at the list of all my 120 movie reviews now. Actually, more than that. Cause I've done uh, several. Uh, I've done a couple. Uh, two first like this one so the actual n numbers of episodes and number of movies on there is, is not quite um, equal but the um, I, 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 I give them a red banner like it's the scarlet letter in a sense so the numbers of those scores on this giant list now are in red and that's just to um, differentiate them from the, well, obviously that's what well, that's what it's for but why do i do that is, is because um i feel like i grade them differently so because the format of a documentary is varies so much less than a narrative film would and that's just a fact i mean that's not really that's not even a crit criticism on the form uh one way or the other uh it it's just um you, you kind of have to deal with that. You be, you, you know, you have, there's, there's like probably three or four different types of documentaries. And within that, within those types, you have only so many ways to go. And I just feel like, you know, it's, it's in grading them. I, I, my scale isn't different. It's the same point value based scale that I'm using for these, but it's, it's different in that. I like to think of that, that list as its own list even though it's in the middle of the list, hence the different colors. Holy shit, where is this going? I don't know. Did I review Man on Wire? I don't think I, d I did review Man on Wire. What did I give this film, though? I gave Wormwood a 7.9. Hmm. I feel like it's right, the, right around there. I think this is a good film. Um... Yeah, I don't, but I probably like Wormwood more, even though it's, they're very different. Again, so this is hard. Uh, I'm going to give, I'm going to give this one a, little, a lesser score. 9.7.9.20, Okay. Uh, good film. 
find it wherever you get your documentaries on chimpanzees and watch the hell out of it. All right, and then write me a, then write me a letter, an electronic letter on to jeffcast at gmail.com. I should mention the Patreon, please, as well. Patreon.com slash myamerica. Uh, and again, we just the show just ends when it ends, and there's no outro theme. There's nothing else. The show just ends. It can it could even be in mid uh, sentence. I could be really literally just in the middle of of saying.